Welcome to Currency Shift, the podcast where we showcase and share insights from first, only, and the disruptive. These are people who are creating new lanes and carving new paths for women, people of color, and diversity and inclusion. My name is Shade Simone. Let's get started. Nicole K. Mack is a dynamic leader of marketing, growth, customer experience, AI, mobile, and digital transformation, who has enjoyed bringing Beyonce-level work ethic and game-changing results to leading data-infused global teams and strategies across large-scale strategic initiatives over the past 15 years. Mm. Recruited and promoted throughout her career for her unique ability to think differently, disruptively, and holistically, she has excelled as an entrepreneur and across different industries, companies, and Fortune 100 corporations. KMAX, four degrees across communications and com- computer sciences, and her post-grad certifications include mindfulness and organizational management. She resides in New York City and is passionate about community, connection, and culture. All right, we have Nicole in the house. Hey, hey, hey. hey. All right, let's cheers. Yes. Go ahead and cheers. Boom, boom. Take a little sip. Mm. Mm. You like that? I do. Yeah? Yes. Okay. This is nice. Can I take so another we, sip? Yeah, you can sip as much as you want. You just got to wait for the cheers. All right, so we switched up the champagne a little bit for this episode. And it's okay. It's not as strong mm-hmm. as the other one, but I think it still gives you the same, the same oomph to it. I got the oomph. So we have Nicole K. Mack, one of my my sorors, and she's not just a regular soror. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> this is my line sister. Mm-hmm. You know, from Iotaro. Iotaro made right. the both of us, and I am ecstatic to have her. I feel like one nine, one, one three. three. Hey, <laughs> oh, my, my bad, sorors. I mean, get y'all hype. You know, <laughs> but it is just a privilege to have you in the building. Um, I know from your bio, I didn't mention that you were a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Incorporated. <laughs> Iota <laughs> uh UNC Charlotte is our alma mater. And Nicole is somebody that I truly, truly, like, even though we're peers, she's one of the people that I really, really look up to because of her journey and her story. Like, she's just a remarkable human being. Yes. But first, I want people to get to know you and your aspirations when you were younger. Like, how did this all start? So give us a little detail. Ooh, okay. Let's go back to the beginning, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so I grew up in the South. I'm to a very old-school family. So on one side, I had my grandfather, who worked the same job his whole life until he retired. And then on the other side, I had my grandmother, and she was into everything. She had a sewing business. She did taxes. Mm-hmm. She did weddings and floral arrangements. So, like, the queen of side hustle before side hustle was a thing. And before it was a term. <laughs> yeah, before it was a term. Um, and so I'm growing up in the middle of all of this. Um, and they were very, very strict. And they told me, you know, one thing no one can ever take from you is your education. So I literally took that to heart, and I was just a, and even today, I'm still an ongoing student. I'm always reading, learning, having aha moments left and right wherever I can, because 
you know, it's real out there right now. <laughs> um, and, you know, your life can change at the blink of an eye. But the one thing that people can't take from you are the things that are inside. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I started. You know, I was very shy when I, if you can believe it, I know it's hard. But <laughs> um, I was very shy um, as a child. You know, I was very quiet. Um, and I kind of lived under the principle I don't have to talk about it. I'm just going to be about it. And I'm going to show people that their no that they told me, I'm going to turn that into a yes. So I got told no a lot mm-hmm. um, across the board. Um, so all I had was my education. You know, I wasn't allowed to really go out and do things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't safe, you know, or or something else, you know. Um, so I just kind of internalized that. And I said, you know, I'm going to make my life better mm-hmm. than even the people who are around me. And they did everything that they could to make sure I had a good life. Um, And so I said, I'm going to go to college. That was my whole, like, end goal. I didn't even think past that at the time. So people talk about, like, what did you want to be when you grew up? In college. (laughs) I wanted to be in college um, because, to me, that was the out. Um, So when I got to college, um, one of the things that, I kind of had a crisis about was I didn't know what I wanted to do, right? So 18 years old in college at UNCC, and it's, and I was on scholarships, so like no yeah. pressure, right? Like yeah. I have to tell them what I want to do. I couldn't be undeclared. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do everything that I want to do. So I did English, yeah. and then I also did computer science, which is two totally different spectrums. Mm-hmm. But they really work together, and I think now we start to see how those two fields are coming together, technology and communications, a lot more now. Let's take a step back and explain to us, like, out of all the majors, because there are so many majors, because <laughs> I, I went through this, too. And I think everybody goes through this when you're coming into college for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's like you know you have to go to college. Like, yeah. if it's instilled into you over and over from middle school to high school. You're getting good grades. Why? Mm-hmm. So you can go to college. Why? So you can have a good degree, but and make good money, so mm-hmm. to so so to speak. But why was it that you declared English and computer science? What was it about those <laughs> two where you were like, okay, this is what I'm going to do? To be honest with you, my so my mother raised me, but my grandparents also raised me. They had a very heavy hand in raising me, mm-hmm. and their whole spiel back to me was basically secure the bag. <laughs> do, do something. Mm-hmm. They were like, I'm not going to tell you to be a doctor. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you to be a lawyer. But do something where you don't have to struggle. So I was like, you know what? Computer science is my thing. But I've always had this affinity for writing, creativity, expressing myself. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to lose that. So I also majored in English. So mm-hmm. I was able to get the creative and the communications aspect. And I was also able to get the secure the bag major, which that was really hard for me. Um, Learning how to code. I didn't have any reference point into that. It was just like, I know that, I mean, this was like what? Late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, this is before YouTube. Yeah, before (laughs) before self learning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like pre MySpace. Okay. (laughs) So this is like what? I don't know what I want to do, but, this computer science degree is going to help me secure the bag um, yeah. later in life. And I also want to follow my passion. Mm-hmm. So I'm the type of person, why not do both? Yeah. And that's what I did. Yeah. Thank okay. You. 
That's fair. So you went through and you decided, all right, I'm going to secure the bag, but mm-hmm. I'm also going to stay true to myself. Absolutely. And my passions and my desires. Mm-hmm. I know that this is a strong interest and this will take me far. I don't know where, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure that I am at least educated in this field. Right. Okay, fair enough. Amen. So w- during college and afterwards, when was it that you decided, okay, I'm going to enter finance? <laughs> like how did how did finance come into play when you have the English and the mm-hmm. computer science? What was it about the financial industry that kind of drew your attention? Okay, so I'm just going to preface also <laughs> by saying that when I went into the finance industry, it was before the recession. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, after 9-11. Um, so it was a very interesting time. And it was something that I didn't have a lot of knowledge about. Mm-hmm. Like my upbringing, people are very blue collar. You know, there's no, I didn't have anyone to say, hey, go get a corporate job and here's what that's going to look like. Here's mm-hmm. what you can expect being the only person of color, woman of color at the table, didn't have any of that. I was just told, like I said, make sure that you secure the bag. And yeah. that was, I mean, that was, that the, was the literal interpretation of it. So when I went to the counseling center or whatever it was, the career center, yeah. um, I, I was speaking very transparently to the life coach. I don't know what they're called, career the coach. Advisor, the career the advisors. Advisor. Look, we were um, far removed from college, okay, guys? Yeah, it's been far a while. Removed. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, but there were all these opportunities and I just didn't have a reference point. You know, there was just nothing else for me other than what the the career counselor or advisor was telling me. And it seemed like a good challenge, which I love a great challenge. So I'm like, sure, I don't know anything about finance. Why not? Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much how it all started. There was no real, um, passion around going into the finance industry in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, they were the ones who gave me fairly lucrative (laughs) (laughs) internship, which turned into part-time. You know, they kept me on through the year, and then they offered me to come back. Mm -hmm. So it was just one of those things where I was like, this is job security. So, you know, I'm having, like, my grandfather on the one hand, you know, his kind of steady career. And, like, this is... This is what's up. I can, you yeah. know, do this. I can save some money. I can live a little, you know, maybe live a lot um, and just make my life that way. And I was still in school also. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about schooling because mm-hmm. you have like four degrees <laughs> and some certificates. Yes. You, yes. You're like the most educated woman that I know. <laughs> um, you know, the top 10. So mm-hmm. tell us about like how you transitioned from getting the English degree, mm-hmm. the computer science degree, to securing the bag. Mm-hmm. And then why, what made you go back to get more degrees? <laughs> yeah, so I was the person who, when I graduated, and when I went across that stage with my undergraduate degree, I was like, I'm done. This is it. <laughs> never coming back to college. That was yeah. me. So never say never. Um, a couple of years later, I was years into my corporate career mm-hmm. and I don't know I started getting pressured a lot to get my MBA mm-hmm, that was yeah. like the thing I know MBAs are not as popular right now but you know back in the early 2000s that was the thing do you have your MBA that's how you're going to rise to leadership mm-hmm. and I don't know I went through this we'll call it a crisis <laughs> <laughs> um, quarter life crisis um, because I was like I don't 
want to get my MBA right now, but I did start to have that inkling to learn something else in a formal capacity. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to go to an HBCU. I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina. Hi, Greensboro. So, that's right. <laughs> so I wanted to go to A&T, right? Yeah. Shout out to my Aggies out there. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to take the path. I'm at a fork in the road. I'm going to take the path of authenticity. And I went back to school to get my master's in interdisciplinary English and African-American studies. Mm. So definitely not the MBA, right? <laughs> not the MBA at all. Um, yeah. But I wanted to learn. You know, I was a new mother at the time. I still, I kept my full-time job. I was working third shift, and I had to drive an hour and a half each way to class. That's how Ooh. bad I wanted to learn, right? Man, I remember this, man. <laughs> I was like, how is she living in Charlotte and going yes. to? If you guys don't understand, like, what's the geography on that? Charlotte mm-hmm. to Greensboro, you said it's an hour. That's back not- it's about 90 miles, yep. 90 miles. And then on top of that, a new mom. Mm-hmm. But it was like, and you working full-time, well, part-time, right? Full-time. Full-time. But the, what they call it, the grave digger shift? Yes. Is that what it is? Oh, yeah. Third shift. And it was that important to you to get mm-hmm. these two degrees, yes. right? Not mm-hmm. just one, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> but two more degrees, right? It was that important. So talk to us a little bit about like how you push through Mm -hmm. because there were a lot of a lot of um bumps and stumbles during that that time period like Mm -hmm. what was the motivation to actually say i want to accomplish this and complete it but i'm also going to be a good example for everybody that's watching me because i imagine the pressure i wanted to do it for me yeah um i had been through a lot of personal trauma right Mm -hmm. before I decided to go back to school. And instead of being depressed, I literally remember sitting on the couch and saying, I don't want to get sad about everything that has happened to me and my circumstances. And so I literally opened my laptop and applied for school. Um, I feel like it was the universe confirming because I had missed, I almost missed the deadline. Mm -hmm. And they told me within a week that I was accepted. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how swift it was. So I was just sitting on the couch and I'm like, let me just fill out an application. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's been in my heart, it's been in my spirit. Let me do it, and I did it, and that was that. And all of the, <laughs> how am I going to do this came later, mm-hmm. but it was a lot of pressure because, you know, you're going to school. They don't care that you have all these other things going on, and then when you're a parent, that's your priority, no matter mm-hmm. what. So you know, my daughter comes before anything else and always has. Mm-hmm. And then at my job, they're like, look, we rearranged your schedule just so you could do this, but you still need to show up 100%. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, a trifecta <laughs> of pressure. Um, so literally what I did, that's when I got really sharp with time management. Mm-hmm. And my, I had an Excel spreadsheet at the time. Again, this was before the app culture and all that. Yeah. And my time was literally scheduled to the minute. Yeah. To the minute. And, you know, I look back on that time and it's like, I don't even know how I got through it. But everywhere I went, I would print off my little Excel spreadsheet and I had, here's what time I need to be on the road. Here's the time I need to be in class. Here's my study time. Here's my mommy time. You know, here's my prep time for work. All of that. Here's the time that I need to talk to my friends and family. You know, so it was a lot of sacrifice, a lot of sleepless nights, Mm -hmm. but it was worth it because that was something that I wanted to do. And the whole time at work, you know, a lot of people would ask me, why aren't you getting your MBA? You're doing all of this. What's your end game? You know, and I think it's okay 
to do something because it's in your spirit and it's driving you and not because, you know, it's something that someone somewhere says, this is how the American dream is supposed to look. Follow this path because I'm the person that's going to go right off the path and into the woods (laughs) and make my own, you know, blaze my own trail. Because I said, I don't really know. It was the same thing. I was like, I don't really know how I'm going to use this, but I know that my history is important to me. I know that the world is changing around me, and I know that there are some things that I didn't get in my first couple of degrees Mm -hmm. that I want now so that I can be ready to give back to the community, if nothing else, that I came from. That is so important to me. So that was pretty much what kind of propelled me and kept me there, and it was easy to me. Like, it just, it all came so easy. I had a 4.0, you know, it was just like, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I enjoyed learning. I still do today. And that's good that you kind of put it into perspective for us that you enjoyed learning, but you mm-hmm. also put a strategy behind mm-hmm. how you were going to oh, yeah. accomplish work, motherhood, and learning. Yeah. All right. So after you received your degrees, you, you've you had this journey, this career journey that has been mm-hmm. impeccable from being VPs to mm-hmm. like just moving from... Uh, company to company, but always Mm -hmm. on the upper, upper. Like when we talk about securing the bag, this is one (laughs) woman that I encourage you to slide in her DMs and hit her up about securing the bag. After you secure your your additional two degrees Mm -hmm. and you're in the industry, you're fine, you're you're floating, you have the bags in your bank. What made you go get another certification? Yes. I got And it's from Duke. First of all, let me let me preference it's a Duke Certification. So she has been to a PWI, a um, HBCU, mm-hmm. historically black college and university, for those of you who are familiar. And PWI is predominantly white institution. That's it's right. something that we use um, to explain what type of college we're going to mm-hmm. to our peers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you went to a prestigious organization, which is Duke. Mm -hmm. I love Duke basketball, college basketball. But what led you to go back and get that certification? I was laid off. Okay. And, you know, again, I don't know what it is with me and crises (laughs) and education. (laughs) But before I even went to school, let me back back up. And, you know, I'm going to keep using my grandfather because he is my rock, you know, rest in peace. Um, One of the things he told me before I even went to school is make sure you get your money's worth. If um, if, uh, 21 hours and 18 hours is the same as taking 12 hours, then you need to be on the higher end of that, which is exactly what I did. I actually got a letter from the university, Mm -hmm. UNC Charlotte undergrad, telling me that I was running out of hours. Like I was going to have to pay the university more (laughs) if I didn't chill out. So (laughs) I was taking like 21 credit hours every semester because I just wanted to learn. Um, But I was working in corporate America. I was coming back off of maternity leave and I got laid off. No Mm -hmm. notice. It was just like, we don't, we're downsizing the department and we don't need you anymore. Um, and so it got me thinking like, what do I want to do? You know, mm-hmm. again, what do I want to do? Because I think one of the things that is not talked about enough with people who are in corporate America, especially people of color, is the balance between what you want to do and what's expected of you to do. Mm-hmm. And so I was going through that whole thing again. Um, and I said, you know, 
I had read about this program at Duke um, about organizational management. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, that feels a lot like how I can blend all of my experiences and really help organizations um, operate better. Yeah. Both on the employee side and on their business side. And of course, it's Duke. And so I felt like that would help propel my career Mm -hmm. because, again, it's about the long game, right? What I'm doing today is all great. But what about 10 years from now? You know, you have to start building that bridge back today. Yes. um, To get to wherever you want to get to 10 years from now, which is why a lot of my 20s were spent (laughs) in a classroom because I'm like, whatever I need to do. Again, where I grew up, I didn't have anybody to ask. Mm-hmm. Nobody had, you know, these careers that I was finding out about in my 20s. I didn't really have that until I got sponsors and mentors. Mm-hmm. So before that era, I was just getting education. And if that meant me getting a certification, then I would invest in myself. Mm-hmm. And I was always taught that, you know, if you spend money on yourself, on your education, that's money well spent. Mm-hmm. And I literally <laughs> took that to heart. Um, and Duke, I mean, it's, they have a great program. You know, everybody's there very passionate. You know, I'm a passionate yeah. individual. Um, and that was one of the things that attracted me to their program. They were very attentive. You know, I asked a lot of questions. Yeah, you have to. A lot to. of questions. Yeah. And they wanted that. And I loved it. I loved it. So shout out to Duke University. Yeah. And to University. UNC Charlotte. Yeah, we can't shout out too many colleges. You know, they ain't sponsors. So That's we, right. We got to minimize it. But yeah, yeah, shout out to all... <laughs> If y'all if y'all want to sponsor, you know, I love you. Slide in our DMs. Info at currencyshiftnow dot com. There you go. Um, talk to us a little bit because, like, dive a little deeper into the what you said about investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I think that people are still a little hesitant with investing in themselves and growing themselves for mm-hmm. themselves. Because you made a good point about what we're expected to do versus what we need to do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about. What you mean by investing in yourself outside of the degrees? Absolutely. So right now, I think education is a whole different beast anyway. Um, You know, now versus when I was in my whole race around the world to get education. (laughs) Um, But I think that, you know, we really do with, with social media and technology right now, it is really really hard to stay true to yourself and be authentic and really know what it is that you want to do outside of what you're seeing when you're scrolling or when you're, you know, online. And so I think you really just have to unplug, disconnect and ask yourself, what propels me every day? What do I get excited about? What do I get natural energy for? And I think it takes time and time is the one thing you cannot get more of. And I always say this, like that's your biggest asset is your time. Say that again. Time is your biggest asset because it's the one thing you cannot get more of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I say invest in yourself, I don't mean all, it's not all about money. Yeah. It's about time. It's about energy. It's about who's in your circle around you mm-hmm. um, that's helping you get better, that's holding you accountable. Are you taking time to yourself to really meditate and reflect on what it is that you want to do? Are you on track? For your three-year, five-year, ten-year plan, how's your bank account looking? Like, did you go to brunch at extra time? (laughs) (laughs) That boozy brunch. Let me tell you, New York. New York. Shouts out to my man Frandy and all the people that I support monetarily Mm -hmm. with their brunches. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to get caught up. I mean, I'm speaking for myself, too. I have gone to multiple brunches in a day, okay? Because that's just, you know, that's just how it is. The New York life. It is. It is. So I have to check myself too but I have to have people around me 
who can say, Nicole, you went to three brunches last weekend as well, didn't you? You need to get a grip. Yeah. Get a grip, girl. Rain Reality it in. Check. Rain it in. Yeah, because that's human nature, you mm-hmm. know. And, you know, also making sure that you stay connected to the people who are important to you. Because I think um, when people talk about success and, you know, getting a lot of money in the future, one of the things that is really critical to remember is the people who you love and care about, who mm-hmm. care about you. That's success, too. That's happiness, too. That's the future. And none of it matters, not to quote Alicia Keys. <laughs> but, um, what's in this cup? No, um, <laughs> but basically my point is you don't want to get to the top of the ladder, secure the bag, and then look around and you're alone. Yes. And you've pushed everyone away. You've isolated yourself. You don't have anybody to go to brunch with, you know? <laughs> Nobody replying to your text messages. <laughs> you know, your DMs are dry. That's not the life you want. So you just have to take time when you invest in yourself and make sure you invest in your circle also. Yeah, you can't take Drake too seriously <laughs> when he says no new friends. Yeah, You need exactly. friends. It's human nature. You need to be That's surrounded right. about around people. How mm-hmm. often you're surrounded around those people, that's up to you. That's what right. you can control. Control the controllables. All right, right. so... You've had an interesting journey with the careers and the Mm -hmm. certifications and then the promotions after promotions after promotions. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about when you struggled, how did you find peace? Mm. Like, what did you do to really, like, when things were going crazy, especially, like, the laid off and, Mm -hmm. and, like, the transitioning from one career and even coming into New York. (laughs) (laughs) Even coming to New York, man. Like, how did you manage the struggle and what did you do Mm -hmm. to, like, keep yourself balanced? I am a planner by nature, and Mm -hmm. it's probably... Um, a little bit much um, the level that I take it to but if there's something that I want to do it's like I'm impulsive because I'll say this is what I want to do and then that'll be like my decision but then after that I turn into a planner and I'm like here's how I'm going to do it like every trip I've ever been on I'm usually the one that's throwing together the itinerary because I will plan it down to the detail and that's what I, how I did my life every single career change has been on purpose mm-hmm. right well even when I got laid off it was on purpose because it, that was ultimately not the place that I would have been able to grow as much yeah. as where I went next. And so I think um, sometimes we think that the, the plan we have in our head, mm-hmm. like it's funny because that's not really the plan that's going to happen. Yeah. So you have to be um, ready to pivot gracefully. And I think that was one thing is I, I basically got the mentality that here's something that I think is going to happen. But if it doesn't happen this way, I'll be okay with it. And then the other thing is laughing. Like, I love to laugh. I love things that are funny. And I think that, you know, it's, it shouldn't be, oh, I'm so serious. Like, I'm just going to work, 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 work. <laughs> Shout out to Rihanna. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying not to. I quote a lot of songs because it's just deep in me. Um, but, you know, I think it's really important to to take time to laugh, to take time to relax, to take time to ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Mm-hmm. Um, don't. I tried not to bury the feeling, yeah. but literally just say, okay, let, basically it's mindfulness is the whole movement right now. But mm-hmm. before it became like a huge big thing, you know, like I, I did a lot of sitting on the couch and just saying, okay, how am I feeling right now? You know, what propelled me to this moment? 
And do I need to be alone right now? Do I need to be around people? Do I need to be around family? You know, what's that next move? Because as successful as we all are, Mm -hmm. a job is a job, a career is a career. But again, we can't lose sight of the people who we love and the other part of our, we'll call it work-life balance, right? Um, So I think that's super important because it's no fun if you're working 10, 12 hours a day, no matter what you're doing, whether you're an entrepreneur, because I've done that too, or you're climbing the corporate ladder, if you don't have plans to travel, have fun, laugh, have a girls' night, whatever it may Mm -hmm. be. So you have to plan those things in just as serious as you plan everything else. That would be my, like, one of the things that I was uncompromising about because people would see me and they'd be like, you're always out having fun. (laughs) You know, how? How? how are you doing all this and making it happen? And I was literally planning it all out. Like, you know, Saturdays, let's just say 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. is an extended brunch. And for those people not in New York, like, that's normal. (laughs) That is normal. You be in brunch at, like, 1 o'clock, and then you don't leave until 7. (laughs) There's been so many brunches. And I had coworkers like, yo, your story's on IG. How long were you at that brunch, man? I was like, look, man, it's New York life. So one of the reasons why Nicole is on the podcast is because she fits disruptive, right? She's a digital marketing, like, leader, you know, when it comes to the corporate life. And then as an entrepreneur, she's just, like, phenomenal when it comes to any project that she puts her hands on. It's like the Midas touch, but it doesn't go bad, right? Because, you know, Midas, the story of Midas, you know, everything. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm just saying, read the book. You know, but... Tell us a little bit about how you even jumped into the entrepreneurial world, mm-hmm. given that you were focused on securing the bag and education. Like- Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. I literally am squeezing every ounce out of this life, and I encourage everybody around me to do the same. Say that, say that again, because I don't think people be lolly lolly yeah. dog through <laughs> You know, <laughs> through, through life, and yes. people fail to realize that we all have a clock, man. Yes. We, it's ticking. You know, when I see something that I'm curious about, I go and get more information. And so I I was in Charlotte, and I wanted, I always wanted to get into journalism. Um, I thought that was, you know, that was the whole communication side of me. So mm-hmm. here I am in corporate America, climbing the ladder, doing the thing, but there was still like this we'll call it curiosity, this this void almost, that I wanted to figure out how does that work. So being the person that I am, I reached out to a bunch of people and said, hey, let me freelance. You know, let me let me yeah. write. Let me do something. Just let, I don't care what it is. I just want to know more and see if this is something I'll be interested in. And so I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people in Charlotte. Um, I ended up actually co-founding um, a publication for a magazine. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my co-founder, Sierra Verse. Going to kill me. Hey, She's going to kill me. Um, but, you know, one, one of the things we wanted to do, we were both in these careers, very successful careers, and we wanted to create something that was like a passion project mm-hmm. to help other creative entrepreneurs do their thing and shine in the local Charlotte community at the time. Um, one of our stipulations was we're going to put together this dope publication. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a coffee table book type of situation, and we're going to give it away for free. Like, we're not even going to charge. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that was 
you know, the business side of me and all of my business associates were like, how are you going to make money in that whole thing? And we did. And then we invested it back in the business, you know, and I think that a lot of times, you know, on the one hand, securing the bag, obviously, is is something that I feel like is super important, especially for aspects of generational wealth. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of that, you only get one life, right? So if you are... You know, like I was in a nine to five. It wasn't doing it for me at the time. I wanted to do something else, too. So that's exactly what I did. I did something else, too. And I enjoyed them both. You know, and I think that if you have the capacity and the passion and the people around you, the support to do things like that, do it. Did you do your disclaimer? Oh, so, yeah. So (laughs) did not do my disclaimer, but I just want to say, so I have a lot of affiliations. And so I just want to clarify that all views are my own. um, And that's all. So one of the things that Currency Shift is all about is helping people understand social currency. Mm -hmm. So building social networks to gain access, influence, Mm -hmm. resources, and networking in the digital space that affects a person offline and online. You have over 3K followers on IG, over 2K on Twitter, and over 1,400 connections on LinkedIn. Tell us how you tap into your online relationships to help you further, whether it's in your career or in your yeah. entrepreneur room. I just like to have authentic conversations. Like, it's not very deep. Um, I'm one of those people who, if you reach out to me, no, now, let, let me preface, because <laughs> <laughs> if you reach out to me and you haven't said hello or who you are and you're just trying to sell me something like that, I, I can't get down with that. But if you're really being authentic and saying, you know, hey, I have this thing or I have this event, I'm following you, I think it would be, you know, nice for you or your people or whatever it may be. I think those are types of conversations. You know, I have a lot of, I love LinkedIn. Let me let me start LinkedIn. Because what happens on LinkedIn is people kind of can see the things I've done. Mm-hmm. And so they reach out to me and they're like, you know, we're we kind of have a similar path. Yeah. You know, or I want to learn something from you or and here's what I can, you know, help you with that type of thing. So I think that that's really cool the way that LinkedIn works, because it kind of gives you that professional, that professional collection yeah, and the, relationship. Exactly. But yeah. it's still authentic and organic. And it's helped me a lot to grow my career in my day job, because then I see these people at work. and I'm like, hey, you yes. know, how are you? Um, so I think it's a good way to kind of accelerate that. Now, I will speak and talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that, especially being in the marketing field, being in the technology field, I think that's something that is that is almost a requirement. Yes. Because you don't know who you're going to cross next year or where they're going to be. You know, people are changing jobs and careers and starting side hustles at lightning pace. You know, and I think one of the cool things about LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, it's also helped me give back to my community. So Mm -hmm. even like in my um, day job, you know, I'm involved in a lot of the employee resource groups and we do a lot in the community. And a lot of the ways that we find these people, you know, I approach my connections the same way I approach my education. I'm just going to reach out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, the worst thing someone can say is no, or they can ghost me, or they can not respond at all, and then we'll just be right where we're at right now. Yeah. But if they say yes, or if they say let's talk more, then you have that, that end, and we've been able to do a lot of really great things 
that simply started because it was like, I'm just going to reach out to this person. Let's let's take a step back, though, mm-hmm. because you pointed out something really important is the employee resource groups. Mm-hmm. Um, across every company, every company has an employee resource group unless they're a startup and they're very mm-hmm. new. It'll probably take them about five years before <laughs> they get an ERG, yeah. which is okay. It's the trend. Mm-hmm. But for the companies that have the ERG, it's really important for for them to take notice and actually invest in those ERGs. Mm-hmm. Tell us about um, what you were able to accomplish with the ERG at your current company. We have been able to do a lot. So I'm involved in several um, resource groups and have been for, especially since I relocated to New York. Um, that was just something I was looking to do. Again, um, it was a question you asked me before, but I think, you know, I didn't have a big network when I moved here. Yeah. And so one of the things I wanted to do was how can I, obviously, you know, reaching out to my sorority sisters and things like that. But on top of that, like at work, what can I do to build connections with people? And what better way to do that than to give back, right? Yeah. So we have a lot of organizations, and I can't call their names, but we have a lot of organizations that we literally give back to. You know, we go in, we mentor, um, we show people how to budget their finances and and do those types of things, how to code, you know, volunteering with various organizations. Nah, nah, you being nice. You got to tell them about Ayana <laughs> Van Zant, that big event. So, so yeah, so we have um, had Hold this on. event. Before you go into it, let me tell you guys about <laughs> Nicole K-Mac. She's one of those people that are so humble that they, they don't know how to, like, really <laughs> – talk about the the things that they've done that are on such high levels and like the experiences are so huge so you kind of have to like force them to like remind them hey you've accomplished this so tell us about this so tell us about how you got Ayana Vanzant and mm-hmm. all those other people out there for the ERG that yes. you were working with it was a huge huge deal yeah so we have um a black employee resource group in New York as part of my day job uh, and one of the things that we did. So we partnered with another organization in our organization to have this uh, Women in Power breakfast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was exclusive. So, you know, we looked to leaders in the organization to help us figure out who could we invite, you know, to come and personally hear Ayala Venzant speak, you know, sit down, have intimate breakfast with her and just really get to know her better and, you know, just receive her fine words, beloved, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a really good event. You know, a lot of what I do is the organization of, you know, kind of the CEO role, making sure everything goes with, off without a hitch. Um, and I, so I think that that's a really big thing that is should not be overlooked because you don't want to be having events. And in your mind, like, you know, because I used to always say, I'm a creative, I'm a creative, but... What I realized, what one of my mentors told me is when you say that, people receive that as you're creative and therefore you're not, you don't have as big of an ability to execute flawlessly. Mm. So I stopped saying that and I just say I get things done, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I get things done. This is my my motto. Um, But uh, so with the Ayala Vanzan event and other events, a lot of what happens is, you know, We'll get the yes from someone, you know, some big celebrity or person in the community. And then what? You know, it's like, okay, how do we make this happen? Because a lot of things have to take place. I'm talking catering, logistics, 
um, who else are we going to get to speak? You know, how do we get people in the room? All of that. And so a lot of that part of it is just what comes naturally to me in my planner, you know, in my planner spirit to make those things happen. But the biggest thing, and I'm not really, I mean, celebrities, I don't get like, if Beyonce walking around, it's another story, but <laughs> I don't get really like starstruck. But what really impacts me is when you have like these kids who like they'll email me or they'll come up to me after a program and they'll be like, I never knew, you know, and insert something, you know, yes. like I had this one kid come up to me after a program. And he was like, I didn't even know I could open my own business. Like I didn't know that was a thing. You know, and he, like, his whole persona changed Mm -hmm. because of a one-hour session where we're talking about here's how you invent something. Here's how you secure a patent. Here's how you start the LLC if you want Mm -hmm. to. And it was just like a lot of people don't get that in their day-to-day. So to have somebody's mind open like that is planting seed. And to me, that's what matters more than who's on the stage, who's speaking, yes. and things like that. It's the impact that you have on the audience. Absolutely. Yeah, I can relate to that. Like, I like seeing people walk away with takeaways. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it when people listen to the podcast and they're like, wow, I didn't know this about this person. Or, yep. wow, these are some of the takeaways that I yes. have. Like, learning is so important to your growth. It is. And you becoming, like, Oprah talks about um Finding your purpose mm-hmm. and understanding who you are. Yes. And you can't do that without asking questions. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that without exposing yourself to different opportunities. That's right. Tell us about how you celebrate your wins. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do to really be like, yes? I love to celebrate small wins. And it doesn't even have to be anything major. It could be like maybe I'm giving a presentation and it goes well. Like, something could be something that's small. But... Yeah. I I love to celebrate that because life is short. And one of the things that I that has been a theme in my life is people have been taken from me. You know, they they've, you know, passed away and they've gone away and I think that experiencing that early and throughout my life is something that kind of keeps me focused. So I don't know if I'm going to get to a big win. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I have to celebrate small wins as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Champagne's a great way um, <laughs> to celebrate. Yeah. But I like to just take time back, you know, reclaim my time, if you will. Mm. And I, Because, again, time is the one thing you cannot get more of. So if I feel like I did a good job I need to celebrate, then I'm going to go do something with my time that I really want to do. That could be reading a book. It could be watching TV. It could be hanging out with my daughter. It could be going to do something fun. It could be doing nothing, which is my favorite thing to do sometimes. Girl, people (laughs) underestimate how important it is to do nothing. Yes. When I realized that I could do nothing Mm -hmm. and, like, Mm -hmm. what that feels like. Yes. (sighs) Yes. I actually schedule time to do nothing, and I think – that it, if you're not doing it already, just try it. Just yes. try it. Schedule, Schedule 30 minutes yes. to an hour in a week. Start there and literally put it on your calendar and block it off. Do, do nothing. 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 Yeah. It will change your life. That's good because that, that transitions us into what do you do for your mental health? Mm. Like yes. what do you do for your mental health? Because mm-hmm. your mind is always going. Mm-hmm. Like you're working in an industry where you have to deal with 
consumer experience, yep. data, numbers, but then you're also dealing in different time zones. We're yes. not talking about like United States right. time zones. Global. We're talking global, like talking <laughs> to China, Japan, like yes. Europe, like mm-hmm. everywhere. So talk to us a little bit about how you deal with the mental health aspect of everything that you're dealing with. Yeah, so, you know... It's the same old song. One of the things <laughs> I wanted to do um, a couple years ago, I started to feel myself getting really stressed. You know, I was in this very visible global role with lots of pressure, lots of investment dollars on my back mm-hmm. to kind of produce results. And I started to say, you know, whatever I'm doing right now is not working. I'm a generally happy person. Mm-hmm. And I was just feeling like, oh, I don't know what else to do. So, you know what I did? I went back to school. <laughs> <laughs> school is like my my Burlington like when I'm stressed I go to Burlington y'all like <laughs> that's my stress relief is going to Burlington and like shopping yeah. so your stress relief is going back to it school. was so let me tell you what I went back to, to school for I went to get certified in mindfulness meditation and stress management yeah so I was like you know what I, I have all these things in my toolbox but let me just go to the experts and get even more you know things that I can do to help me be more present because I can get really lost in my own mind sometimes. Yeah. And so one of the things that I was really looking to do is like not only how do I manage my stress and my time better, but how do I how can I be present more? Mm-hmm. How can I maximize the time that I'm spending with someone, especially working in digital? Like I think, you know, multitasking. I hate multitasking. I hate it <laughs> because you know if I'm sitting in a room with you. And we're having a meeting and you're checking your phone and you're, you know, playing an app and you're yeah. not really there. Then we may as well not even have the meeting. Like, if you're going to meet with me or come into my presence, let's all be respectful and be present with each other. Yeah. And so I'm like, how can I do that more? Because if you're present, then you have to obviously, you know, you're working less, you know, using less energy and all of that. So mm-hmm. that was the main thing that I did for myself. And it just taught me how do I meditate? How do I unplug and not have a nervous breakdown because I don't know what I'm missing? And not just for my personal life, but also for, you know, my professional life. And I think when you work in digital or you have something, if you have a business and you feel like, you know, how am I going to get my social media to keep going if I unplug? Those are the kind of things that I wanted to figure out. And once I figured it out, it was beautiful. And I think it gives you so much time. Like right now there is... You know, they added the, I don't know what it's called, but it'll track, like, how much time you're on your device and oh, yeah, apps. the iPhone, yeah. Yeah, I think that's beautiful and tragic all at the same time because it's a wake-up call, you know. Yeah. If you're spending, like, four or five hours on in Instagram, but you're constantly complaining that you don't have any time left to do things, there's your time right there, you know. And so once I figured that out, things got a lot easier for me. Like, I'm pretty mm-hmm. chill <laughs> anyway. Um, But I just had all this extra time when I stopped being online so much. Mm -hmm. And it also forced the people that I'm close to to, like, actually reach out to me instead of going through the filter of social media, right? And it started to make things more organic and authentic. And I really appreciated that. So, you know, laughing, brunch, and just unplugging are my ways to, to kind of cope. And obviously I write because that's my thing. That's good that you touched on, like, 
people communicating with you directly instead mm-hmm. of going through the filter of social media. Because yeah. I am really <laughs> guilty of like, my double tap means that yeah. I saw it and I'm yeah. celebrating you. Like, exactly. You might mm-hmm. not get a phone call yeah. or a text mm-hmm. because I double tap. Right. Like, I understand the value of a double tap. Mm-hmm. So for yeah. me to double tap. <laughs> well, and that's the culture story, that we live in. Exactly. For yeah. me to like your mm-hmm. story or to double tap on your picture, that's mm-hmm. me saying, I see you, boo. Right. I got you. <laughs> I'm right there. I am I am your cheerleader. But there are people who are like old school, like mm-hmm. that not even old school, but that value direct communication. Right. Right. That will like that text and that mm-hmm. call. So mm-hmm. it's for me it's about balancing both. So even if I double tap that picture like, if I know that it's something important to you mm-hmm. and I have your number, maybe I'll slide, you know, a text message, yeah. send one of those, like, screen shares where it, like, <laughs> goes everywhere. You know, like, yeah. I'm trying to do better with that because mm-hmm. I do recognize, like, as we continue to move forward mm-hmm. in the social media mm-hmm. and communication becomes less direct and yeah. more so on social, mm-hmm. I understand the value of even, like, a handwritten yeah. note. Yes, which that is a lost art. Somebody yeah. gave me a handwritten note through the mail. And yes. I was lost it on my front porch and I was like oh my god like this is a tangible thing you know I can hold it I can put it up I can look at it again I can reread like they spent time they went to get a stamp who even knows where to buy a stamp from anymore man when I was starting this company they wanted me to mail stuff in and I was like they not including a stamp (laughs) like like, where do I go to stamp in New York in New York you gotta go to a bodega yes and then you can only get one they they might only have like eight left so I don't I don't even know how and then you works. had to find the mailbox. Yeah. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's and then a lot. The po- I found out the post offices, at least where I live, they close at like 4 o'clock. Mm. How am I supposed to make it to the post office before they close? <laughs> Listen, so, like, when when you get something in the mail, mm-hmm. it has a lot of value because mm-hmm. we know how much you have to go through yeah. just, to, just to send that. And even yeah. if you're custom making something, if mm-hmm. you're knitting, mm-hmm. if you're creating something, that holds a lot more mm-hmm. value than you just buying something and sending it in. Yeah. Before we move forward, mm-hmm. tell us the difference between a sponsor and a mentor. Yes, let's talk about that. So a mentor is someone, and I think we all know what a mentor is. That's someone who's looking out for you. You reach out to them. They kind of guide you. It's kind of like your professional counselor, if you will. Um, I received really good advice to get a mentor who looked like me and then to get a mentor who didn't look like me that was in somewhere else in the organization or industry where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And that person can help you bridge the gap. Um, definitely make sure LinkedIn is a great place to start or somewhere wherever mm-hmm. you're working or if someone has a similar business as you, if you're an entrepreneur, reach out, right? I feel like we all have something to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but the difference is a sponsor is someone who is going to go to bat for you when you're not around. So someone with some clout. Who can say, Nicole killed it. You know, she slayed in X, Y, Z. And I don't even have to be in the room because that's how you get the promotions. That's how you secure the bag. That's how your career or your business accelerates, you know. And this is for people who are in corporate America, but also people who have their own um, job and, um, excuse me, who are entrepreneurs and have their own business. I think that don't sleep on getting mentors and sponsors just because, you know, you're your own boss. Mm -hmm. Definitely look across the industry and see who you can partner with, especially in our our culture, excuse me. I think that we don't do that enough Mm -hmm. is really reach out and help each other. And we, it's it's room for everybody. (laughs) Like it's room for everybody. So definitely if you have something that you can share, if you see somebody who's starting out in a place where you were, 
offer them a little piece of advice. You know, reach out to them. It can go. It can work both ways. Yes, I 100% agree. And I'm one of the big proponents. If I see you helping yourself, mm-hmm. then I'll reach out and yep. give advice. But if I see you, you just wishing and dreaming and hoping, <laughs> that's not a strategy. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's not. So tell us what piece of advice would you place on the post-it on your mm-hmm. desk mm-hmm. and other people's desk? One of the main things that I kind of keep around me is, I'm going to mess it up, but it's learn Grow and do something you love every day. Mm. Say it again. Learn, grow, and do something you love every day. And I think if you do that, you won. You know, mm-hmm. like it doesn't matter how many degrees you have, how many businesses you open, how many products you're shipping out, how fast you're climbing the corporate ladder or not. If you're not happy, you lost. Mm-hmm. I like guess that simple. Um, and I think that you have to make sure that you're learning something new every day. Um, because that's how you're going to get better. It's how you invest in yourself. Um, if you're doing something you love every day, make sure you're laughing every day and growing every day. You, you, that's, that's what success and happiness is about. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to get caught up in trying to attain money, you know, wealth, the American dream. But where are people talking about obtaining happiness? Yeah. Because if you do all that and you're not happy, then that's the worst feeling in the world. You went through all that for what? Like you secure the bag, but mm-hmm. you want to be able to share it with somebody. Yep. Like, and, and if you don't want to share it with somebody, that's your own prerogative. But when you're social and you take these online relationships that mm-hmm. you're building, and even just sharing your successes, sharing your fails online, yeah, that builds the community around you because people are seeing, oh, okay, he has his highs and his lows. He's human, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or she's human, yep, or you know whatever pronoun you want to use is human. Right. You know, like authenticity is something that is rare nowadays, especially on social. So it's really, really important that you have an authentic voice and you find your authentic voice. Mm -hmm. I think I'm switching from Oprah saying you have to be true to yourself Mm -hmm. and find yourself to Sade Simone saying (laughs) you need to find your authentic voice. Yes. Right. So now we move into the speed round, right? Okay. So this is where I just shoot some questions out, boom, boom, boom. Okay. And you just reply with whatever comes to mind. There's okay. no right or wrong, kids. Whatever you want. Let's go. That's the she's she lives in the Bronx, so my little Bronx <laughs> accent is coming out a little is that bit. What that was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my little Bronx. <laughs> My little New York, Brooklyn, whatever. It's a New York, you know, my little New York accent, you know what I'm saying? Um, no disrespect, you know. It's just I've been around a lot of, like, true New Yorkers lately. I don't know where where you guys are coming from. Normally, like, when I'm living in New York and I'm out and about, I meet a lot of transplants. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, I don't know. It's all love. It's all love. It's good. All right. So let's get started. Okay. What gets you out of bed? Ooh. So, you know... What gets me out of bed is two things. One is I feel this responsibility from, like, all the efforts of the people who came before me, my ancestors, and everything that they went through. Like, I can't just chill in bed knowing that people were, like, marching and doing everything to get me to a place where I'm simply viewed as equal, right? So that's number one. But then on the other half, um, number two is 
my legacy? You know, what do mm-hmm. I want to leave behind? That generational wealth. I think that's something that we don't talk about enough in the um, black community. Is what are we leaving behind? You know, life. Our life is short, but are we setting up the people who are around us to be okay when we depart? And so there's so much opportunity out there to really live up to your purpose while you are doing both of those things. Yeah. And every single day, that's what I think about when I get up. Because I wake up early. Yeah, she wakes up early, <laughs> man. You know, I'm telling you, when you global, your your time is different. Mm-hmm. It's so different. Shout out to Nick Cannon because he had this Instagram post where he mm-hmm. had um, – watches on mm-hmm. both arms and people didn't understand they just thought mm-hmm. he was just balling out and he was like no <laughs> i have businesses globally yeah. yeah so i have to keep track of the time zones mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know there's probably a better way for him to do that but you yeah. know well you know um the time just changed and it's really <laughs> messing me up because in my mind i'm always walking around with like three to, to seven time zones always but you know like everybody doesn't practice daylight savings time and that's all yeah. weird and so yeah and trying to work through all that what's your favorite <laughs> band Ooh, the temptations the temptations i mean a band is like you, you like that from the movie the temptations or the somebody coming song? to see you oh, just, no. uh. <laughs> that was such a great movie you know they're bringing it to um broadway no. like at some point oh I yo, have to we go. gotta go man. Uh, yeah <laughs> yo real. when he's singing in the rain <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the movie, you know, it's like a staple. Um, that that was the first thing that came to mind. I don't know, like, yeah, no, nah, I'm good with it. Listen, if you haven't seen the Temptations, it's like a VH1 BT movie, like made for TV movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, definitely check it out, man. Yes. All right, favorite drink? Hibiscus tea. Wait, is it like a drink? A drink. Whatever your favorite drink is. Okay, let's go with champagne. Champagne. I feel like when you drink champagne, you're celebrating. Like, there's drinks and then, you know, there's, like, champagne. Yeah. And when you drink champagne, you're celebrating something. Mm -hmm. Even when you're not. You're celebrating life. Girl, now we drink champagne. Yeah. I'm down with that. Birthdays were the worst days. Now we drink champagne when we we thirsty. Shout out to Biggie. Biggie Smalls, yeah. All right, so role models. My grandfather, um, and then Michelle Obama. She Yo, has so, yes, mm. just her whole energy. I'm I'm just gonna take that forward. Okay, Chicago, <laughs> yeah, Southside, Chicago. Ooh. All right, luxury item. A luxury item. Hmm. I'm gonna say time, and I know that's weird, but. That's the only thing I can think of. Like, you can have the cars, you can have expensive things, but they can be replaced. Mm-hmm. One thing that cannot be replaced is time. And I'm just, that's my whole vibe going, yeah. you know, into the future is time. I'm going to really be looking at how I'm spending my time and with whom. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I respect that because I feel like time is a luxury item, too. What's your favorite food? <sighs> I like fruit. Like, if... You really want me to be your friend? You bring me some grapes? <laughs> <laughs> the purple or the green? I like the purple grapes, the red uh, ones. Okay. Um, and maybe it's because I like wine so much. I'm not sure. But if you bring me some grapes with friends. Tell us about your favorite country to visit. Country. Italy is like, so I haven't been that many places yet. So I'm just going to go ahead and put that disclaimer out there. Yeah. But when I went to Italy, it was like being immersed in just culture and passion and great foods and I think that they were just so 
at least where I was, they were so supportive of me trying to experience everything and like not knowing what it is that I wanted to do or experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the things that I definitely look fondly back on my life about. What is the best way to give back? I think the best way to give back is to people who are younger than you or at an earlier stage in their life or career than you plant mm-hmm. that seed. And I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be given time. It could be given knowledge, but help somebody else, you know, grow into the place that you are, whether they're, you know, in high school or whether they're early in their career or maybe they're in the middle of their career and they're just confused. Yeah. Like reach out, help redirect. Them. Yeah. Yes. Redirect them. Yeah. A retirement place. Ooh, okay, so I don't have a specific <laughs> place. I mean, I'm just thinking about retirement. I got excited. Um, <laughs> it has to be a beach, mm. and it has to have culture. So, like, maybe I don't want to say Italy because I still have many places to visit and travel to, mm-hmm. but I definitely want to be near, you know, it's that Pisces vibe. I need to be near the, <laughs> the ocean. And I, I have to have culture. I have to be able to have, like, little shops and businesses and yeah. little things I can't get anywhere else and shows and ex- things I can experience. So, Okay. Cartoon. What you got? <sighs> Cartoon. Uh the Jetsons. Like, I, I know that's yes, a throwback. throwback. <clears throat> yes, the Jetsons. I used to love the Jetsons because it was like, this is how it's going to be when I grow Spacely up. Spacely Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I just thought that was so dope. I haven't, gosh, does that even still come on? Yeah, Boomerang. Shout out to Boomerang. Okay. Okay. Um, Turner. Yes, yes. Uh, drama. Like, like no more drama in my life. Shout out to Mary J. Whatever you think, drama. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no drama. No more drama. <laughs> I know it's not how I'm supposed to be answering these questions. No, it's fun. It's whatever. It's it's loose. You know, comedy. 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 Hmm. I can't think of anything. I'm drawing a blank. And you know, this is crazy because I love to laugh. And it's like the one. It could be like memes. It could be like stand-up. It could be movies. Whatever. It could be like whatever you think. When you hear the word comedy. I just, I don't know why, but I'm thinking about Tiffany Haddish and um, Kevin Hart. Yeah. And they're not even like my favorite favorites, but I don't know. Marketing. Yeah. Their commercials yeah, they, are everywhere. Their marketing, their branded <laughs> is so on point. Yeah. Shouts out to Kevin Hart and yeah. Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> yeah. They, their brands are so really accelerated. Shouts out to their agent. Yeah. That's the real, yeah. like. Because they're killing it. That's the real, real. The agents. Mm-hmm. Shouts out to you guys. What is happiness? Mm. Happiness is laughing a lot and not having to worry about the basics mm. and being surrounded by people who care about you the way you care about them. Mm. Say that one more time. Okay, so you know. It's not worrying <laughs> about the basics. Not worrying about the basics. Uh, laughing a lot and surrounding yourself with people who care about you the way you care about them. Oh, I love that. The people who care about you the way you care about them. Mm-hmm. It has to be balanced, equally yoked. That's right. All right, so is there anything you would like the listeners to know? Mm, you know, you reach out to me. Let's 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 talk. Let's chat. I think people don't do that enough. I think that's a lost art. 
we kind of, we get on social media and we meet each other in person at networking events. And then we don't ever hear from each other again <laughs> until we run into each other again, you know. Yeah. So definitely I'm all about, you know, building community. And I think we don't do that enough. I think our ancestors were really good about connecting and mm-hmm. getting together for a common purpose. So if you have a question, you just want to chat, definitely reach out to me. How do they reach out to you? Um, on my social media, I'm on LinkedIn, Nicole K. Mack, um, C-A-M-A-C-K. And then my social medias are all at hey underscore Nick underscore Cam, N-I-C underscore C-A-M. Um, reach out. Let's talk. And then um, the one thing I'd like to leave everybody with, so I have one tattoo on my body. And this tattoo is on my foot. Nobody told me. None of my friends told me that told that you. was not the spot. I told you <laughs> it, it hurt. I got seven <laughs> tattoos. I told you the foot hurts. I don't have any on my foot because it hurts. Lies. No. Um, <laughs> so the tattoo said is um, the rose that grew from concrete, which is a poem by Tupac. And so I just encourage everybody. I'm not even going to spoil it for you. I just encourage everybody to go out and read this very short poem because it's one of the mantras of how I live my life and why I push so hard for things mm-hmm. um, and why I like to follow my passions, um, even when people all around me are telling me, no, go this way, go this way instead. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be a good something to stumble upon. Yeah, it's it's good about staying true to you mm-hmm. and following your heart versus everybody else's desires because sometimes when people are telling you stuff it's because they're scared because they didn't succeed at it right so you really have to be really self-aware like what are you trying to accomplish what do you want out of things right and does it mesh with the advice that you're receiving or should you go with your own gut feeling that's right it's important to listen to that little voice inside of you yes all right, Nicole, thank you for being yes. on the show. This was tons of fun. Shout yes. out to your daughter, London. That's right. Y'all twinning up in here. Yeah, you know? double twins. You caught that? <laughs> yeah, I caught that. It threw me off a little bit. I was like, yo, is this the champagne? With music group. <laughs> it's cool. Thank you. Love you so much. All I right, we out. Thank you for joining the conversation. To learn more about Currency Shift, go to currencyshiftnow.com. If you feel as though you fit the criteria as the first, the only, or the disruptive, send us an email, info at currencyshiftnow.com. Until next time, keep pushing, stay motivated, and stay encouraged.